Do you have an unexpected story to tell or know someone who does? We'd love to have you on the pod. Please apply at please don't tell anyone pod at gmail.com or follow our application link in bio of our Instagram, please don't tell anyone pod or TikTok account. And I had my backpack on and he ran outside and he dragged me by my backpack. And he said, I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to kill myself. Hey, and thanks for coming back to Please Don't Tell Anyone. I'm Molly Clark, your host, and this is the podcast where you hear unexpected stories by ordinary people. I go and blind to all my interviews so that I can hear the story firsthand just like you. Please don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell I said, don't please tell. don't tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone. Don't tell. I said, don't please tell. don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell. Don't tell. Don't tell. I dated this guy during college right after my dad died. While this relationship was long distance, it quickly became the scariest experience of my life. I was stalked, threatened, abducted, and assaulted both physically and sexually. Then my nudes went on Craigslist. Once I got away physically, he went on to do the same thing to two girls before he was finally charged. He was convicted and sentenced to 17 years. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. That's not just apparent death. That's abuse, that's sexual abuse, that's, I mean, that is just loads of trauma, betrayal. So I say we just start where you want to start. I mean, your dad dying seems like the right place to start since that's when this relationship began. Yeah, so I went away to school for a year from Ohio, and I went to a university up north. And while I was there, I didn't have, like, a really close relationship with my dad, I knew that he was an addict and he would frequently go to rehab. He was clean for a while and I saw him at a gas station and we had like this really great bonding moment where he like apologized for everything that he did. And then four days later, I got the call that he overdosed and died. I can't imagine. So I won't even try. In a way, I can say like it gave me a little bit of closure just having that experience just because... I had resented him for so long and I didn't have a good relationship with him. And I was actually on my way back to school when I saw him and I like kind of had this epiphany moment and like cried in my car. I was like, you know, I don't want to hold on to these feelings anymore. I felt a little bit of relief. And I think that if we hadn't had that moment before, there would have been a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of unresolved feelings. So in that way, I think that was helpful, but it it was pretty devastating to lose him and lose the opportunity for something that I always wanted, you know? Was it completely random when you ran into him at the gas station? It was, yeah. So we, we didn't see each other, like, ever. When I was a kid, he had threatened to hurt my family, and my mom and my stepdad took him to court, and so I wasn't allowed to see him, and I had a restraining order as a kid. And then, you know, there's just no relationship that really followed. He would go to Miami a lot to go to go to rehab. He liked to go where the sun was. I mean, we just didn't really have a great relationship. So it was, it felt random because it felt like he had finally gotten his life together. And did you just pull over to get gas or like, how did that even go down? Yeah. So I was in my hometown and I went to the speedway that I always go to. And I recognized the license plate in front of me because it's my grandparents' car. I just kind of peeked around and it was him and He came inside with me and he gave me a little bit of shit for buying cigarettes. And he said, well, as long as it's not meth. And uh, so, yeah, it was pretty random. And then it was there that he gave you that apology. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. To think if you hadn't run into him, you know. I know. Like, would you not have gotten that apology? No. And I think, like what I told him, he said, you know, he was scared to apologize to the rest of my family. And I told him, I said, you know, the people who love you. They don't even really need the apology. You know, we, yeah. we know how it is and we forgive you already. I mean, that's amazingly mature. So you're on your way back to school. You get back there. And how do you meet this guy? So I met him through a mutual friend. Um, we'll call her Lauren. And it was finals week. So everybody's stressed out. And she asked me to pick her up from the library and asked if I could give her new friend a ride. And we'll call him John. And so I'm waiting in the parking lot and she comes out with this guy and I'm like, oh my God, he's hot. 
I found him extremely attractive and like he was sitting in the back of my car and like we keep making eye contact and as we drop him off my friend looks at me and she goes I have dibs and I'm like mm, I don't know about that but <laughs> we ended up studying together and it's kind of a story in itself um my friend and I we took Adderall that night to study and get you know our final papers done and stuff and she was not very experienced with taking Adderall and she ended up taking too much and got really sick. She started saying that she was hot and she started throwing up and she was just kind of out of it. And at the time, this guy, his friend was a paramedic. So he called him. He was like, Hey, like my friend's acting weird. We think she took too much Adderall. And he's like, okay, just keep an eye on her. Watch her all night because this guy, he didn't want to call the police. He didn't want to get anyone involved. And I mean, I was kind of scared too, to be honest. It wasn't, it wasn't the right thing to do to not take her to the hospital. Like, and I, I thought about that later and I felt horrible for it, but she, she ended up being okay. And we watched her all night and we all missed our finals the next day just because it was a crazy, crazy night. So I think the next, like the next day from when we were all hanging out, um, was the last day of school, like the last day of finals. So like we were packing our stuff, getting ready to go and go home. And he asked me for my Snapchat and I was like, okay. What year was this by the way? Uh, 2017, Roughly. like May of 2017. Yeah. I didn't really expect to hear a lot from him just because I wasn't coming back and it didn't really make sense. But he started Snapchatting me and like Snapchatting me a lot. But he would send things like that felt like a mass snap. You know what I mean? Like it feels like it's going to a lot of people. So I didn't really feel like, you know, it was me personally. And yeah. so I didn't think a lot of it. But then he asked me for my phone number and we started texting and he started like FaceTiming me all the time. And like I was at a a really low point in my life. Like I didn't know for sure what I wanted to do. And I just felt unsure about a lot of things, like whether or not it was the right decision to move home. And it was Your a lot. Your dad also just died. Yeah. Yeah. There's always that. <laughs> you know, we just started to talk more and more. And then at one point, I think it might've been June, he asked me to come visit him. And I was like, hmm. And at this time, like, my friend Lauren, like, she had not talked to me all summer. So, like, things were just kind of weird there anyway. I ended up going to see him. And I was supposed to spend the whole weekend there. And I only ended up staying one night. Just because I started to get, like, just a weird vibe. He didn't do anything in particular. But, like, we both smoked weed. It was a pretty regular thing for us to do. We would smoke on FaceTime and... Um, when I got up there, he asked me if I wanted to go buy weed with him. I was like, sure. So we go over to this house and like, I give him my money and he goes in and he comes out and he didn't buy any for himself. And I was like, okay. Like, I try not to think anything of it. Cause you know, I try not to be like stingy or you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was having me over. And so like the whole time we're hanging out, he just keeps smoking all my weed. And I'm like, like this guy knows that I don't have a lot of money. I had to pay for gas to get here. I don't know. Something about his demeanor was just off. We ended up having sex and I just felt uncomfortable. Like no matter what I was doing, it was wrong. And he was like adjusting me or like telling me what to do. And I ended up not eating once the entire time that I was there. We went to a restaurant and he said he was going to pay for my food. And then his card declined and he was like calling someone, telling them to put money in his account. He's being kind of aggressive. I was like, it was just weird. So I had my friend call me and fake that there was an emergency and I left. Like once I left, I was like, oh, did I overreact? Was that like just me kind of being like materialistic or like whatever? But we waited like another month and then he asked me to come up again. So this time I brought my friend with me and once again, why did you go? Like, were you into him? Because it sounds okay. like the first weekend was a bust. Yeah. Okay. So he was so charismatic and so charming, and like he seemed like one of those people that just really had their life together. 
And for me, as someone who felt like they had nothing together, like it was just so attractive. He was going to school for biochemistry. He told me about how he wanted to go to grad school and basically like- you were going to give him a second chance. Yeah. I think it's important to note that he is extremely intelligent, like borderline genius, which is how he gets away with all of his bullshit. And his family, they are district attorneys in another state, so he knows his way around the law a little bit. But 17 I, year sentence, though. That's pretty big. Yep. Yeah, he, uh, he did his best. He, I think he was facing 40. So he made a plea the very last day that he could. So. Wow. So you go back up there with a friend. Yep. And we just hang out for like an hour or two. And I think I had to get a paper signed for school so that I could transfer my credits. There was something about the school that I had to do. And my friend, after we leave, she's like, I don't know, I caught a weird vibe from him too. And at this point, like I've been FaceTiming him all the time, talking to him all the time. And I'm like, eh, maybe he's just a little weird. I started seeing him more and more. So I would go up there a couple weekends a month. And we weren't even, like, officially dating. We didn't start officially dating until, like, October. One of, like, the major things that happened was we'd been talking for a few months, and we weren't official, so I still had, like, my Tinder account, and I still had, like, my other accounts, and I had people that would, like, Snapchat me, but I didn't really, like, talk to other guys. Like, it was just there. And I was at his house one day, and I got a Snapchat from a guy I don't even remember who he was, but he grabbed my phone and he started going through it. And I was like, no. And I like try to pull it back. And he's like, oh, what are you hiding? He's like, nothing. And so he takes my phone and he locks himself in the bathroom with it. And then he starts reading like messages where these guys are like asking me to hang out or like whatever. And maybe I'm flirting back, but I'm not hanging out with other guys or doing anything like that. He came back in the room and I had just gotten to his house and like his house was like two and a half hours north from where I live. He's like, you have to leave. You need to leave now. And I was like, are you serious? Like I just got here. Like we planned the whole weekend. He's like, no, you have to fucking leave. I'm like arguing with him. I'm like, okay, like, are you, are you being serious? And he takes all my stuff and throws it out in the rain, like in the yard. I kind of like sat there for a minute and I was like, okay, well, if that, if that's really how you feel. And I started walking outside and started picking my stuff up and he's like, oh no, don't leave. Don't leave. And right then that should have been the moment that like I ended things that should have been it, but it wasn't, it was just the beginning. I remember I went home after that and I told my dad what happened and he was like, you need to leave this psycho. Like you cannot see this guy again. And from Your that, stepdad? Yeah. And, yeah, sorry. He's been my stepdad since I was like five. So I just no, it makes dad. sense. I just, as you know, as someone not in your life, I just want to make sure that yeah. people listening understand. Yeah, yeah. I worked for a, a major retail company while I was dating him, um, and we had the ability to get online and get discounts on the merchandise. And so for his birthday, he asked if he could pick out some shoes and use my discount. And so I did that. I let him use my account, even though I wasn't allowed to. And he paid me for the shoes and I brought them to him one weekend. And after he looks at them, he's like, oh no, I don't want them. So I ended up sending them back. But that's important to note later, for later. Okay. Things just started to progress after that. Things They, they start to decline. Yeah. What, how did it get to the point of I was stalked, threatened, abducted, and assaulted both physically and sexually? So he was very obsessed with the number of people I'd been with previously. Mm-hmm. And I remember... How many people you had slept with? Yeah. And I remember yeah. the first time I told him, I gave him like a very low number because I was just, didn't want to disclose that information. <laughs> and um, yeah, he started to pick up on things. Like he, I found this out later, he was keeping a note in his phone of all of like the details that I would give about previous things. So he started to pick up on the fact that the numbers weren't adding up and that would make him very angry. And I remember at one point he told me, if we ever get married, I'm going to hook you up to a lie detector test with like a PI basically, or like a hitman. And if you lie about the people that you've been with, I'll have you killed. So yeah. Why so that, was that so important to him? Did he want you to like, was he fetishizing like a virgin or what? It's that. And he was like, so insecure about himself. Like he felt. I mean, of course, this guy has major mental issues. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. 
But he was, like, obsessed. He wanted to know how big these guys' dicks were, like, how many times we hooked up, and, like, he wanted names. And there were some people on the campus that I'd hooked up with. Over time, I just became scared of him. Mm -hmm. And I thought that everything that he said was real. And, like, he would take pictures of me. He would take videos of me, like, during sex. And, I mean, I didn't always want it to happen, but I just kind of let it happen. And then he would threaten to put them on the internet, and it was just a lot. But Usually, before we get to the, the downhill that we're about to go down, I mean, usually when I hear stories like this, it's like there was, though, this amazing period of falling in love. It doesn't start just horribly. Was there good times? I felt, so, like, when I first met him and I found out, like, how smart he was and, like, how driven and, like, the fact that, like, he was in these incredibly hard classes his professors loved him he like had all these friends in a way I felt like he was just out of my league like I was dating somebody that you know I didn't deserve and he didn't directly say that but he would say oh you're a communication major yeah you and your middle class family like those type of comments and it wasn't always said in like a tone that was negative but it really, it started to chip away at the way that I felt yeah. about myself. Yeah. Okay. Um, now I understand it a little bit better. You're not, it's not just horrible from day one. No, there were definitely red flags from day one. Yes, but, of course. But, but uh, otherwise you would have not stayed for a month if it had literally just been horrible yeah. from day one. Um, okay. Jumping ahead. We're starting to go downhill. What is this like early 2018? No, this is all in 2017. We talked. Oh, this was all. Okay. Yeah. This is now like late 2017 then. Yeah. Okay. So we started dating in October. Like there was no romantic way of him asking. He was just like, well, I guess you're my girlfriend. And I was like, I guess so. And um, things started to get crazy because I dated another guy and we ended up, I actually broke up with him the day after my dad died just because I told him, I was like, there's too much going on. Like I just... It was his birthday, too. It was, like, a whole thing. So it just, it didn't end up working out. But he was a very nice guy. Like, we still keep in touch. I got a text from this number, and it said, Hi, my name is Bob, and I got a new number. Do you want to hang out sometime soon? And I was like, that seems kind of weird. So I texted the number that I had for him, and I said, Hey, did you get a new number? And he's like, No. So from that moment on, I realized that... John was pretending to be other people and texting me. And you were cheating. Yeah. And to see what he could find out about me in general. When I would come to see him, there was an instance where he did, he had like a teaching assistant position and I would just get to the campus and meet him there. And, um, he would immediately take my phone, go through it. I had certain guy friends and people that I worked with that I had to start like deleting our threads and deleting their number and like trying to keep it secret. But he found a way to figure out if somebody's in your recents. So then he figured out that I was deleting stuff. And when he found that out, he was like, just take me home. So we got in my car and he was like, pull over here real quick. And I pulled over in a handicap spot to let him out of the car And he grabs my keys out of the ignition and runs out of the car. Like, he runs across campus. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I was going home. And, um, like, I get out of my car and I start walking that direction. And he's like, yeah, I threw your keys on top of that building. And he's like, don't worry, I have an ROTC friend who can get them. And I'm just like, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why would you do that if you want me to go home and you want to go home? Like, why would you do this? And then he's like, actually, they're in the bushes around the corner. So I had to go find him. And then he comes back to my car. And at the time, like, I smoked cigarettes. He didn't like that I did that. So I was sitting in my car, rolled down the window. He's sitting there. And we're talking. And I'm telling him, like, you can't keep doing this stuff. Like, you can't expect me to stick around if you're going to act like this. And he was like, well, I told you I don't like you to smoke around me. And he, like, tackled me out of the car, out of my driver's side door, grabbed all my cigarettes and broke them all in half, and then took off running. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well, 
like I called my friend actually I called her and I was like hey like he's he's acting crazy she's like you need to go home and I was like I know but he has like my laptop and stuff at his house so I get to his house his roommates think I'm crazy they think I'm crazy at this point yeah because it can't possibly be him I get to his house and I try to get my stuff from him and he won't answer the door so I end up just sitting outside for like an hour like calling him banging on the door trying to get my stuff and I think I ended up leaving that day. He gave me back my computer, but he didn't give me back my glasses or my clothes. I get to the point where I keep trying to break up with him. He would say things like, oh, I'm going to show up at your parents' house and I'm going to attack your family. And he said that he was in a gang. And like when I had gone to see him, like he would show me these videos on YouTube of people like singing these songs and like, you know, doing gang signs and stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is the gang I'm in. I mean, it made me really uncomfortable. And he was like, you know, I have people in my gang that live in a town like 20 minutes from you. And then he starts sending messages to my friends from fake numbers saying like, I'm going to get you fired from your job. I'm going to have you drug tested, all this stuff. And so my friends are like, you you got to tell him to fucking stop. And I was like, I, I can't make him stop. He's doing this so that he has control and he won't let me leave. So we... Broke up a couple times, but it always ended up us getting back together. There was one time where he, I broke up with him and he told me he was going to kill himself. And I've had my fair share of people saying that. And I mean, the only thing you can do is call the police. That's the responsible thing to do. So I did it and the police showed up at his house and he ran away. So then it's an even bigger deal and he's going to be picked up by the police He ended up calling me and he was like, hey, like you need to get here. You need to retract your statement, this and that. He told me that his mom wanted me to come there and she was on her way and he was like super apologetic and I was stupid. So I went and I started driving up there. When I get there, when I get there, the police are outside of his house and they're arresting him. And... He has a friend, this girl, come and get me and take me to her house. So this friend, she's like, what's going on? And like, I know I'm not supposed to tell her what's going on. And I end up telling her and I'm like, hey, like he, he's been threatening to kill himself, like in a very like serious way. After that, like it, she ended up like not being friends with him anymore because he would, you know, rage on her the same way he would rage on me. But he ended up getting out of the like holding whatever that night. So that was like the first time he threatened to kill himself. Um, He did it a couple times after that. And his roommates really hated me after that because he didn't admit that that's what he was doing and saying. He just told his friends that I was crazy and calling the cops on him for no reason. So they didn't like me after that. So anytime that like I was over there, they would not talk to me. Like there were a couple times where I screamed for help and nobody came. And... As things kept escalating, like his behavior kept escalating, he would not let me leave. He would like hold me against the wall by my neck. It was almost always triggered when he would suspect that I still wasn't telling him the truth about my sexual history. And then I would give him another detail and that would like trigger him and he would become like very, very abusive. Um, What was your thought in giving him another detail? Was it that finally he would let up? Like that and like when he started to find out more and more details, he would like call me names and tell me I was gross and that no other guy was ever going to want to be with me. Did you ever think about just being like, yeah, I've slept with 150 guys or whatever your number is, you know, and just what would that have done? Like the pure truth for him? I don't know what he would have done, but it would have been more intense than what he was doing for the lower numbers because it just got worse did you ever tell him the truth in the end fuck no no way (laughs) no way i mean my current boyfriend he knows he doesn't he doesn't care yeah like of course he's like oh that's why you're good um (laughs) um but okay good well i'm glad you never told him i ended up like finally like deciding like enough was enough like it was the end of it, like it had to be over. And I broke up with him. He threatened suicide again, called the police. And I got a text from this iMessage number. 
and it said that it was one of his roommates. And at the time, I was like, okay, all these fake numbers are coming in his text message. This came in his iPhone. I think this is real. And his friend's like, hey, John tried to commit suicide. He's having a really rough time. And we want you to come here for an intervention. And we really think like he needs professional help. And we're going to call his mom here. We're going to call these people here. Would you be willing to come if we promise not to leave you? And I was like debating it. I went out to dinner that night with one of my friends and I was asking her and she was like, I don't know. I mean, it might be good for you. Not the kind of, not the kind of advice I needed in that moment. I'm literally thinking you owe him nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, you go, I'm guessing. I end up going up there. And his friend's like, okay, he's at this place, this mental facility, uh, pull up in the front. But this friend, are these his roommates who hated you or was this someone else who was? Yeah, but I had been getting these messages like from one of his roommates that came as a text message. I was weary about that one. And he said like, we know how much you've been trying to help him. Like the fact that you like bought him all these like planning tools because he was failing all of his classes at this point. Like he's like, spiraling in his own personal life which is wild because that's why you fell in love with him was Mm -hmm. he had so much control of his life yeah exactly so like i like tried to help him come up with a schedule to get all this stuff because he was going to lose all the scholarships and there's a whole thing and they were like you know we know that you're really good for him and we know another important detail is that his friend who's texting me said that he saw this note that he had written And he had told me about this note before. He said that if I kill myself, I have this note hidden saying that you told me to do it and you pushed me to do it. The the friend or you? Me, that I told him to do it. And that, like, I'm the reason. Plainville, that uh, docuseries on Hulu or whatever, the girl who told her boyfriend to kill himself, the whole texting thing. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. I'm like... I I am the opposite. I keep calling the police to try and prevent this. So I show up to this place, pull up out front, and out walks John. Just free as a man. Just coming out, and he gets in my car, and I'm like, fuck. Like, Yeah, you were supposed to have the whole squad with you going for an intervention, right? Yeah. So he's like, they're all at home. They're waiting for you. I pull up to his, you know, house on campus, and all of his friends are outside getting in their car. And looking at me like I'm crazy. They're like, what is she doing here? Like, haven't we had enough of this bitch? And I know in my head, I'm like, it's not an intervention. That was, that was him the whole time. And so I was sitting there and he's like, I just want to talk. So we go inside and um, it's not good. You know, he takes my phone. At this point, I've changed my password. I've changed everything. That way he can't get in it. And we had been broken up for about a week, but there was this guy at my job that in the midst of all this happening, like I had a crush on, I liked, I had started to see as friends, but you know, it was progressing. He knew the situation that I was in and he was really supportive. He's still, he's a great guy too. And see the guy you're seeing now? No, no, (laughs) but we, we saw each other for probably about a month and, you know, just kind of died off, but he wanted to go through the messages with that guy because he saw the name pop up and I wouldn't let him in my phone. And he kept screaming and screaming and yelling at me. And then he took my phone and he threw it as hard as he could across the room at the wall. And the whole thing like, went like that, like it just split like width wise. So it, it wasn't usable. And then he crushed his fingers up the screen. The whole screen was shattered and it was no longer usable. And it was really scary just because like he had, he choked me, he, you know, pushed me or tackled me and stuff like that. But he had never like, like punched me in the face, Mm -hmm. but he told me, he's like, I did that because if I didn't, I was going to punch you as hard as I could in the face and kill you. I was like, okay. And then like, I'm trying to leave. I keep telling him, you need to let me leave. He's in front of the door to his bedroom it's not the first time this has happened. I wrestled him many times to try and get out of the house. But this time it was, it was more serious. 
his house was all on one story. So I ended up jumping out the window. But in the midst of that, I forgot my keys. So I couldn't get in the car. And I had my backpack on. And he ran outside and he dragged me by my backpack. And he said, I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to kill myself. And I started screaming for help. There's nobody outside. There's a field across the street. So there's really like just no one there. And he drags me inside and I'm laying on the ground crying and I'm begging him not to hurt me. And he's like, I would never hurt you. I would never hurt you. I didn't mean it. I promise I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I'm just laying there just crying. And um, I kept telling him, like, I want to leave. I want to leave. He goes, are you sure that's your decision? Is that your final decision? You want to break up? You want to leave? And I said, yeah. And he took, he had some, like, container of sugar in his room. And he took it and he ran out to my car and started dumping sugar in my gas tank. And, um, like, I was really scared. More scared than I've ever been in my life. And I ended up like laying there and just crying. And uh, then I was, I was sitting on the bed for some reason because he was vacuuming the room because he got sugar everywhere. And I, I had told him, I was like, I'm not going to have sex with you. I'm not going to have sex with you. I don't want to. And he's like, but you can, you can fuck this other guy. Why can't you fuck me? And at the time, I didn't think that what happened to me was rape. Because even though I said no, and I fought back a little bit, I felt like I didn't fight back enough for it to really be rape. But I really thought he was going to kill me if I didn't. He tried to have sex with me, but then he wasn't able to stay hard. And so he just sat there and he told me I was disgusting and this and that. And, um, he ended up sitting there telling me about all the times he cheated on me. And uh, started just, like showing me messages in his phone with him and other girls. And Are you just sobbing or just shaking? Like, how do you... At, at this point, I'm pretty numb. I was dissociating a lot at that point. Like, while the rape was happening and afterwards, I was just like not there, really. Um, and then it's the next morning. So I sleep over, I wake up a couple times, but I'm, I'm too scared to leave. I don't know why I could have left in the middle of the night, but I just didn't. And I don't, I don't know why I didn't. I think I was just scared and there was sugar in my gas tank. So I didn't know if it would even work. Did you think about running at all? Like what was the closest place you could have gone? I think it was a circle K, probably like three or four blocks away, could have run. But the next morning, he's like, oh, I want breakfast. I was like, okay, I'll go get you McDonald's. And um, he gets in the car with me, though. And he steps out of the car for a minute, but his door's open. And I try to just back up and leave. And so he's... How did your car work, though, with the... By the grace of God, I don't, I don't know. But I did hear when I took my car in after that, that sugar doesn't really mess with your gas tank the way it used to. Like it kind of just sits on the bottom. It doesn't congeal the gas. Um, but in my mind, I'm like, mm, my, my car's fucked, which it's not a nice car. It was a hand-me-down spray painted car at one point. So I, you know, had it painted and it was, it got, it did the job. I back up and, um, he still has my gas tank open and he, he keeps jumping out, pouring gas in my tank and then jumping back in my car. Yeah. It's like over and over again when I'm trying to leave. And so I eventually like, I kind of like turn the car so he can't get back in and start taking off. And he tried to jump in the car. He got halfway in and he grabbed my, like my windshield wiper lever and broke it off. I ended up driving because I don't have my phone to have directions home. I could probably navigate my way home, but I'm thinking my car's going to die. It's like, it's got all these issues and now it has sugar in the gas tank and the windshield wiper doesn't work. Hopefully it doesn't rain. I drove to a gas station and I asked them if I could use their phone. And the, the woman who was working the register, she's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, like I just got away from this guy and he broke my phone and he's, talking about how he's going to kill himself. And it's just, it's, 
it's a whole thing. So I call my mom. My mom's like, you need to call the police. I said, okay. And in my mind, my, my mind, I'm like, you're right. I should, I should call him and make sure he doesn't kill himself. I didn't even think about the phone or like the abuse or anything. And so I called the police so that they would do a wellness check. And I drove home. When I get home, I look in my back seat and I see that he's taken a pencil or a pen or something and he stabbed holes all in my seats and, um, you know, just further vandalized my car. Once I got home, I just like blocked his number. I wasn't talking to him. And then my friends started getting messages saying, do you think it's fair if I post Ashley's nudes since she fucked someone else? They're like, no, that's not fair. So at this point, like, I'm thinking, like, he's going to do it. Like, he's he's trying to get my attention so that I know he's going to do it. And he's talking about how they should all follow his Twitter page because he's going to post them on there. So he knew who I bought weed from in my hometown. And I was friends with this guy's sister. We were lifetime friends. And um, he s- took a screenshot. He had multiple phones. I didn't know this until then. Uh, of a message where he said, don't be at so-and-so's house tonight. Something bad might happen. And then who he sent it to was one of their friends. And they're like, they tried to call the police, say that he was making a threat, but it wasn't a direct threat. So they couldn't do anything. And so I started thinking, you know, like he's gonna, he's gonna try and take down my friends with me. So I decided to go back up and file a police report. My grandfather drove me. He's the sweetest soul. He went with me and we got there probably at 11 o'clock at night and we made the report. The police officer went out to his house and told him, you know, you need to leave this girl alone. You got to stop trying to talk to her. And then probably a, a week later. So like, actually not even a week because I had sent an email to one of my professors when he was not letting me leave. I sent her a message. I said, I'm going to have to miss class today. My boyfriend and I are fighting and I can't get out of the house and like to come to class. And Mm -hmm. she was an automatic reporter. So she called the title nine office at my school. So I show up for school to take my final exams and I walk into class and she's like, you can have an extension on your exam. If you need to retake the class, that's fine. She said, but you need to go to the title nine office. And I said, Okay. And so I'm on my way there and I get an email from Craigslist saying, thank you for your posting. I'm like, what what posting? So he used my email address so that I would see it. And I immediately get on Craigslist and look at it. And it's like 10 of my pictures with my face in them. And the description says... I'm 20-something years old. I do drugs daily. I love to cheat on my boyfriend. I've done it plenty of times. I'm looking for casual sex and money. I live in this city. This is my email address. This is my phone number. And, like, I'm using my my little sister's, like, old, tiny iPhone. But I started getting, like, I got, like, 100 texts in an hour from, like, creepy old guys. and People are emailing me. And so I'm sitting there in the Title IX office. I'm like, this is, I know what I already said happened, but this is happening right now. Mm -hmm. And they got the campus police to come down and they got into the account. They took it down and they, you know, took down my whole story from beginning to end. And they submitted um, like a report to his school so that they would do an investigation on their end. And they said there was nothing they could do. I got my phone number changed. Because, like, at this point, it's also worth mentioning, like, he was obsessive, like, to the point where, like, I had his phone number blocked, but I was still getting nonstop calls from unknown numbers. Like, so he was star 69ing or whatever it is and calling constantly, like, to the point where- Why couldn't anyone do anything about the revenge porn that was- I don't think there was a law for that yet. Yeah. Because I did find out, you know, probably a year later that you could sue somebody for that. And I mean, they didn't give that as an option when it happened. I wouldn't be able to use my phone for hours at a time. I'd power it off. 
I power it back on. Immediately there was a call. So I filed the police report and the district attorney basically said over time, there's nothing they could do. Um, there wasn't enough evidence. There wasn't enough that they could do with the information. I came back up. Even for a restraining order? I could apply for one, they told me, but they said that it would probably instigate things to go further. They said he would probably take that as, you know, a sign to keep going to try harder. I got a new job because he called my job at that retail place and told them that, A, I was stealing and B, that I let him use my um, account. And he had the Venmo receipts from when he sent me money for those shoes. He didn't include the ones where I sent it back and took the shoes back, but they could find that. But they started an internal investigation on me. I was declined a promotion. And overall, I was embarrassed because there were a couple times where I was on my shift and he would just be blowing me up even when we were dating. And I'd be like, I have to turn my phone off like you're acting crazy. And he would say, I'm going to show up. He said, I'm going to show up there. I'm going to get a ride and I'm going to be on my way there. And I'm going to make a scene and I'm going to get you fired. So like my work knew what was going on a little bit just because I had kind of told them like, hey, if somebody comes in looking for me, I'm not here. Mm -hmm. That type of thing. And um, so I got a new job. And... I was dating a new guy. He was a really great guy too. Like after this guy, I dated a bunch of really great guys, but <laughs> I was at work one day and he sent me a Snapchat screenshot of this weird account that was trying to add him. He goes, I think it's John. And I was like, I think it is too. He said, I'm going to accept it. So he accepted it. And immediately like my nudes start flooding in. This account is like, oh, I fucked your girl. She's ran through. Don't you have any self-respect? And like my boyfriend at the time, he's like, dude, you're crazy. He's like, you need to leave her alone. Like, I don't care what you say. I know who you are. I know what you do. And luckily, like, you know, this guy like had my back. He knew, he knew this guy was crazy. He didn't take what he said as the truth at all. And then things started to slow down a bit. But then I found out, this was like 2019, mm -hmm. um, I got a message from one of his accounts saying, I need your help. And I'm like, what? What could you possibly want from me? And he goes, this girl's trying to send me to prison for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And... Like, so I just do a little Google search on the college town and try to see what the local news is. And I said, this sounds exactly like what you did to me. I said, if they have any proof, good luck. And good a couple days later, the district attorney called me and asked me if I was still willing to press charges. It took me a couple days to think about it just because, you know, things had finally started to slow down with this guy. And I was scared to put a target right back on my back. But when he told me what happened, there was another girl. First, there was a girl that he forcibly raped at a party. So there was that. Like, he didn't know her, and he raped her in a bathroom. And wow. she never told her parents, actually, that it happened. And they found out through the district attorney calling and asking for her because she had pressed charges. But he ended up posting bail or bond or whatever it is and getting out for that. But then he was dating someone else for a while. And um, he would, like I found out later and during, that he would do the same thing. He was obsessed with the number of people she had sex with. Um, you know, very controlling. They ended up living together. And uh, he would abuse her and one night they got into a fight and he stepped on her throat and tried to kill her and she ended up running out of the house I think the news report said it was like 30 degree weather and she just she didn't have any socks on and she's running from door to door asking for someone to let her in somebody let her in and she got help and she was able to press charges but um, she was a singer and she had to completely learn how to talk again like she completely lost oh my her God. voice 
She has to learn how to sing all over again. She changed her name to get away from him. Jesus. So at that point, there's now a case against him. Yeah. So and do you have to testify? Yeah. They asked me to, and I said yes. Um, so there were a couple of times that I had to go up there to prepare. It was really embarrassing because I had just started my actual career when this happened, and I had to tell my boss what happened. And she was super understanding, and um, I had to miss quite a bit of work to go up there and prepare and all of that. And he wouldn't take any of the plea deals. We said he was innocent. And you had to testify in front of him? He actually, he, so court was set to start on a Monday, the Friday before he took a plea deal. So he waited until the very last second. What and was the t- deal? Um, 17 years or whatever the judge, you know, assigned for mm-hmm. attempted rape, um, a felonious assault, um, whatever it's called when they, when somebody doesn't let you call the police, like when he broke my phone, um, disrupting justice, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And I think the fourth one was like tampering with evidence. Um, so he was looking at, you know, about 40 to 45 years. So, and it's just from what I heard from like the attorneys and, the the detectives and stuff, they said that, you know, his his attorneys were telling him you're not going to get out of this like they have too much evidence they're mm-hmm. like they have three people who have the exact same story like you're not you're not going to get out of this you're not going to weasel your way out and outsmart everybody and he was convinced that he would for a long time and they were listening to his like jail calls and he was like telling people that it was a race thing and that we were all just racist because he was black and um, he had a lot of people fooled when when we went to the sentencing and when we like read our victim impact statements and stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure he had 30 letters written to the court on his behalf from friends and family and professors. And one of his professors was actually funding his entire legal team. And wow. Yeah. So, I mean, he... He could lie. He was a good liar. He had a lot yeah. of people fooled. We all read our victim impact statements and he was convicted for 17 years. Have you heard from him since he's been in prison? No, no, not at all. Thank goodness. And you've been able to restart your life. Yeah. And there are some things that I still think about, like as diagnosed with PTSD and, um, there's certain things like my, my boyfriend gets so upset that I don't want to like cuddle, but I don't like for people to put their weight on me. Like I don't like mm-hmm. to feel forced down. Yeah. I take it you're in therapy. Oh yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm trying to pivot my career. I applied to go to counseling school and cool. I have an interview next, next month. That would be awesome. You would be amazing to help women who have been, go through these situations being that you've been in it, you know, yeah. and you can really empathize. That's what I'm hoping, yeah. So 17 years, how old will you be when he gets out? So it'll be 2036. I'll be 42. But that doesn't keep you up at night, that there's a time where he'll be free. Oh, it does. Um, I've, you know, I've told my boyfriend, you know, if we're together at that time, like, you know, when we have kids, like, we're going to have to really be serious with them because he is a vindictive vengeful person who will basically stop at nothing. And if he's still angry about this and still angry that I came forward, who knows what he would do. And his, his prison is only two hours away from where I live. I mean, it's, it's a bus ride over here. What happened to Lauren? Did she just disappear from the story? So like when, when things started to escalate, when we had first well, not first start talking, but, you know, in the middle of that, before we were even dating, um, I would tell her little things that he would do. And she's like, that doesn't sound like him. He wouldn't do that. I don't know why you're saying that about him. And I found out, you know, much, much later and things that he, they were still going to school together. 
And I told him, I was like, you know, like, I really feel like you should tell her that we're dating, that we're seeing each other. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that. And I was like, well, if you don't tell her, I will, because I just felt like something weird was going on and I wasn't there. And Mm I ended up asking her later, I was like, did you guys like talk? Like, were you guys seeing each other? And she was like, well, for a little bit. So they were seeing each other and she found out that we were seeing each other and they even had conversations later that he told me and, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But he asked her, he's like, why didn't you tell me that Ashley was such a whore? Why didn't you tell me that she had this past? Which granted, my past really wasn't that bad, but yeah, um, (laughs) there's like actually no number that you could say to that. I would be like, what? Yeah. Like, I don't know what, like, we're living in 2022, you know? Yeah. But she would say, like, oh, it wasn't my place to tell you. Now you know. Like, that sort of thing. And um, She sounds like such a bitch. She, she was. You don't have to say that, but I'm not a fan of this story. Yeah. And um, I remember at one point when he was doing the whole I'm going to kill myself thing, I, mm-hmm. I called her. Or I texted her and I was like, he's threatening to kill himself. And I was like, yeah. and he told me that he has this note that he's going to frame it on me. And she was like, yeah. you sound like you care about yourself more than you do him. And I was like, you don't understand. Like my, I mean, yeah, his life's at stake, but he just, he throws this shit around all the time. But like, he wants to take me down with him. Jesus. And she just thought that I was being, you know, self-centered and didn't care about him and this and that because who knows what he was saying behind closed doors about me, you know? Well, thank you for sharing. I mean, mm-hmm. this isn't – I barely had to say anything for this hour. I mean, you were so good at telling that story in such a, a linear way, seriously. Thank you. From a podcast standpoint. But I'm thank so you. sorry that that is the story that you're having to tell. And I really do think that in your submission you say how much – you want to share it to get through to other women who may be at the beginning of a relationship and seeing weird stuff and ignoring it. Okay. Favorite restaurant. Um, favorite restaurant. <laughs> it's such Being a o- hard pivot. No, it's fine. Um, Osaka Japanese Steakhouse. I love hibachi and sushi. Where's that? It's um, it's in the like Beaver Creek area. What do you get there? I get the right pat roll because it's like a shrimp tempura roll, but it has a bunch of extra stuff in it. It's really good. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and follow the podcast wherever it is you listen to it so that we can bring you more unexpected stories by ordinary people. And if you didn't like the episode, forget what I just said and just please don't tell anyone.